Today's episode of Blast Burn Radio was brought to you by Angel, Sparky, LA Caveman, and other listeners just like you. If you'd like to support Blast Burn Radio, you can do so over at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. You can pledge your support and start earning exclusive rewards today. Thank you. are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blast Burn Radio. I'm your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today are our hopelessly addicted friends, our Gotchapon Hell co-hosts, Celeste and Messer Engine. Uh, thanks for joining me today, guys. How's it going? Uh, it's going. I'm on vacation next week, uh, Labor Day week. Hooray! So, we're looking forward to recording a, a podcast and then... Uh, hiding in a hidey hole for the week. Nah, I'm just kidding. There's gonna be so much grinding. So much grinding. So much. I mean, statistically, most of the grinding's done. Like, we went up more last cycle than we're going to this one. Yeah, but the experience counts for less every level moving forward. <laughs> yeah, well. Last week's level is this week's five levels. Or last week's five, you know, reverse that. I knew what you meant. Put that thing down, flip it in, reverse it. Yeah, yeah, all you yeah. had to say was tears, and I I would know. <laughs> uh, I'm doing okay. I'm a little sick, but it's to be expected. I didn't sleep well last week. Beyond that, everything's good. I've got Monday off, and hopefully going into some really good news soon. So, Well, I kind of hate you both, because I had work held today, where my coworker called in for, for valid, legitimate reasons. I'm not shading anyone for needing time off work, but I was literally doing the work of two people, and I go back on Monday, and then I go back on Wednesday, and then I work four more in a row, uh, because my life has become a meaningless cycle of pharmacy hell, and that's just where I'm living right now, but that's fine. That's fine. I'm actually, I'm really excited. As of this recording, we are three hours ETA, actually a little less than three hours away from the kickoff of our season two draft for the draft league, which is super duper hype. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay awake to actually see it start, but if nothing else, I know it's going to be there for me in the morning. And that's really exciting. I'm like gone all day tomorrow or streaming. Get ready for me to use all the time allotted to me to, to, <laughs> to make picks. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, not, this has not only been a busy week for Jolly. This has been a busy week in Pokemon, although unfortunately not in Sword and Shield, where we crave that new information. Uh, so what did we learn? Let's find out in this week's Pokemon news. Do, 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 do. This is the Poke News. The Poke News. First of all, guys, we have a giveaway. I did not expect to be saying that this week, but here the fuck we are. This is the first for Pokemon Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon in quite some time, and quite possibly the last 3DS era Pokemon giveaway. Uh, from October 21st through November 10th, uh, North American trainers 
can visit their local GameStop stores and use the Pokemon Pass app, uh, the app that we discussed previously where you could get the shiny Pikachu or Eevee for your Let's Go. Uh, They are now rolling it back to the 3DS era games as well. Uh, But you can use that Pokemon Pass app at GameStop to receive a code for a previously unobtainable shiny Solgaleo or Lunala, uh, redeemable in any of your Gen 7 cartridges, Pokemon Sun, Moon, Ultra Sun, or Ultra Moon. Uh, Now, these Pokemon are going to come at level 60 and Pokemon Sun and Ultra Sun redeem Lunala, while Moon and Ultra Moon redeem Solgaleo. Now, A, this is a little bit disappointing because they're giving us shiny Lunala and Solgaleo and not just shiny Cosmog, so we can't, like, complete the whole set, and that's dumb. Uh, But more interestingly, a, a similar, well, A, a similar giveaway will be running in Europe uh, through various retailers from October 1st through November 15th, but another kind of similar giveaway was also announced for Japan, and it's different and a little bit of a head-scratcher. Japanese players who have pre-ordered Pokemon Sword and Shield and are members of the Japanese Secret Members Club, which... I literally don't know what that is, so good job being a secret Japanese club, I guess. Uh, anyway, these people will be able to obtain the also previously unobtainable Shiny Necrozma in Generation 7 titles from September 6th through November 14th. It is unclear whether this giveaway will cross the ocean in any form or if this particular shiny will remain unobtainable to North American trainers, but the window for Game Freak to release it and have it be, well, relevant reasonably is is shrinking by the day. Uh, what do you think of these giveaways, guys? Does it strike you as funny to release a gift Pokemon as a pre-order bonus when you likely won't be able to use it in the game that you pre-ordered? Do you think that this perhaps points to Necrozma and maybe other Alolan legendaries being a part of Generation 8? Um, I, I think it's dumb, but I also think they're in a situation where they're like, well, if we don't do it now, we ain't never. So... Might as well get it done under the understanding that some people will continue to play Sun and Moon on their 3DS even after Sword and Shield are out. Most likely, I mean, tons of people replay these games and continue to play them after their relevancy is done. But um, yeah, I think it's kind of stupid. Yeah, I highly doubt they're going to be alone in Legendaries in Gen 8. I mean, I would point to the existence of Zygarde's forms in Alola as like, you know, well, maybe there'll be some sort of tie-in, but that was also because they never properly utilized Zygarde in Gen 6. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's just another another Game Freak fuck-up, which is maybe not the best uh, <laughs> point of <laughs> historical context to point to. I, I don't know, man. This, just, this feels like a really odd move, and particularly, you know that Game Freak has got to be extremely aware of the small but extraordinarily vocal minority who are just throwing an absolute pissy fit at every possible circumstance over the lack of inclusion of a national dex and this literally just seems like they took a a can of kerosene and poured it right on that fire Mm -hmm. and that almost makes me think that maybe maybe necrozma will make the jump over to generation eight but at the end of the day this is just speculation i just thought this was a really funny and kind of weird move it's their response to the toxicators. They're like, you hate it? Hate it more. We're going to give you shinies that you can't use. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I've never been really interested in giveaway shinies that much. It kind of takes away from the value of it actually being shiny. I mean, colors are cool, but it's just 
It's a red Gyarados in giveaway color form. Yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of this weird situation with these legendaries because they shiny lock them so you can't hunt them legitimately, which makes the giveaway shinies admittedly more valuable because it's the only way to get one. But, but it, it makes it feel more shitty. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's this whole weird thing. Stop shiny locking shit, Game Freak. Please mm-hmm. just let me hunt for this shit. If I want a soft reset on my cover legendary a million fucking times until I'm blue in the face, let me do that. Exactly. But then they'd have to think of cool things to give you. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. Well, we don't need giveaway Pokemon. Yeah, but but giveaways are enormous marketing opportunities. Like, no company is going to give that up. Yeah, like, giveaways aren't going anywhere. It's a great opportunity for them to push their sales partners. It's also a great opportunity for them to drive ongoing engagement in their games. Like, that's they're here to stay. They're not going nowhere. Damn it, do outfits then. I mean, that might be neat, but it it doesn't have broad appeal the way that Pokemon do. You know, it's funny that you say that because pre-orders through Amazon specifically get an exclusive golden backpack. (laughs) So maybe that is legitimately like a a future thing that they're going to pursue is like retailer exclusive giveaway clothes. Uh, But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that evolves over time, uh, especially in a limited Pokedex. Pre-order through Amazon and get the, the golden prime backpack. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's still like the big male trainer refrigerator box backpack. It's just like the gaudiest fucking gold. I'm like, well, I, I don't feel bad at all that I didn't pre-order through Amazon. That sounds ugly as hell. Yeah, I don't want that shit at all. Get that fuck off my screen. Now, as we as we alluded to in our intro, the big news this week is, of course, Gachapon Hell. Uh, Pokemon Masters is here, and everyone is hard at work collecting all their favorite husbandos and waifus. Uh, we've had nearly a week of hands-on time with the game at this point, which is plenty of time to get a feel for the good, the bad, and the mildly cringy. Uh, so, guys, what do you think of Pokemon Masters? Have either of you played a bunch? Because I have. I have played up through, I just met Karina, so I have two gym badges. I have not played, but I've heard things, and I didn't like what I heard, which didn't drive me to want to go download it anyway. So you're a little further than me, Jolly, but I've enjoyed it for what it is. Like, it's not meant to be, because of the amount of RPG depth that exists in Pokemon, like, it clearly isn't that on mobile for what the way that they've structured it. But for what it is, it's fun and it's enjoying to to pass the time with, but it also eats my battery. Like there's literally some sort of monster biting on it, sucking the energy right out of it. That's my other issue with mobile games. There's just no battery power for cell phones that can handle them. Just Joltik sitting on your battery, just nom, 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 nom. <laughs> so... I like it for what it is. It is a fun, clicky time waster. It is easily, in my opinion, the best Pokemon mobile experience that we've had to date. That being said, I really dislike how predatory the monetization is. And I've heard from multiple people that it's actually very mild for a Gachapon game. And I absolutely agree. I just think that the Gachapon model as it exists, period, is extremely predatory. Like, it says something that in what is considered to be a very mild Gachapon, you have to spend 30 real US dollars to to get a draw of 10 champions, which does not exclude the, any remote possibility of getting duplicates. Duplicates, although they do reward you for your duplicates, admittedly, and, and all it's just 
it's not great. It, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel like money well spent. And it feels like it's preying upon people who impulsively buy things because it is because that's how these games work. And I don't like that. And it makes me not want to play it because I don't want to support that model, even by playing free to play. I think that it's also really, really telling that even even during their their launch event, which is when you should want to hook as many people free to play or not as possible, like their big draw, which is, hey, spend uh, $30 worth of gems essentially and get a guaranteed five-star pull is only usable with cash-paid gems, which if anything, I think maybe they should have made it to where it's repeatable with cash-paid gems, but you can do it regardless. It just, again, the fact that this is how predatory they're starting out the door makes me really concerned for the future of the title. Beyond that, my only real criticism is I don't really understand who this game is made for. Like, it's very clear that this game is built around the characters. It is built around these masters, the, these characters that we have journeyed through multiple Pokemon regions with and have developed connections with. But kids, which is the traditional market for mobile games, aren't going to give a shit about these trainers. They might care about the the red, blue, yellow, the Kanto alum, particularly if they played Let's Go. Uh, and they might care about like the the Gen 6 or, or the Gen 7 characters. But like there's a wide swath of them in the middle from, from Johto, from Hoenn, from Sinnoh, from Unova, that your average like 12 and under mobile game player aren't going to give a fuck who they are. So there's no nostalgia there for them to really bite on. And then older players for who really are attached to these characters like like me and like you guys like we're not going to be drawn in by the gameplay because as, as you've said mess it is really super simple it's not competing with the games that we actually love playing in this series like the only the only people i can think that this game is actually marketed towards are pokemon fans who are also already gotcha game fans and while there is certainly some crossover there I don't know how sustainable that is. I guess we'll see. I mean, if you look at the mobile games that exist on the market, like so many of these are sustainable, like with way worse models and not even a fraction of the IP. This is going to do fine. In fact, it's going to make boatloads of money. <laughs> I mean, you're probably right, but I just I don't understand it. I mean, yeah, I I get what you're saying, but I like I said, I think it, it's going to be fine. I mean, when they launched Pokemon Go, they were like, Pokemon people do fitness? Nah. And people buy so much stuff in the market in that game. Like, stuff that's completely unnecessary. If there's anything that mobile titles have taught me and the business model of mobile titles have taught me is that there are literally millions, if not like billions of people with completely disposable income that will spend large amounts of money on nothing yeah again masters is fine for what it is it's just just like go it is capital letters not for me and and that's okay i guess i just i just wish that it wasn't quite such a slot machine to pour your real money in yeah yay predatory mobile game tactics yeah that's a thing but yeah that's that's pokemon masters it's it's fine 
I guess check it out if you haven't. Try not to spend more money than you reasonably should or want to on it because that's real bad. But that's that's our Pokemon news for the week, guys. So let's go ahead and and jump into our Nuzlocke gameplay because holy holy cow, you guys, there was a lot of it uh, this week. Our competitors had quite possibly our most cramped cycle of gameplay in the history of Blastburn Radio as we leveled our team to astronomical heights and hunted legendaries, tackled rematch bosses, and generally tied up the loose knots of Harkle. Gold Soul Silver as we prepare for our series finale. Now, as always, Messer Engine was up to play first. So, Mess Buddy, how was your week in Nuzlocke this week? Uh, it was a lot. In fact, when we went into this week, we weren't like 100% sure we were going to be able to grind 15 levels on eight Pokemon, kill a million legendaries, and do a million rematches. Like, it was a legitimate concern, especially since a bunch of stuff had to be done, like, in odd orders. Like, for us to get points for these rematches and to get points for the legendaries, we have to do them at or below level. Which meant keeping certain Pokemon back to do certain challenges or going through certain rematch fights early to get Pokemon through those rematches at the appropriate level so that we could use them in higher level rematches. And there was just, there was just a lot. Uh, we actually kicked off our week trying to get a lucky egg because uh, we knew how much grinding we had to do and how shitty it was going to be. And unfortunately uh, for us, Rio died to, to Blue uh, a little while ago after his grand 2.5% chance sleep powder miss. And so we didn't have a compound eyes Pokemon to make finding items easier. We spent six hours hunting for a lucky egg. And we finally got one, and man, was it worth it. But that during that six-hour period, looking, staring down the barrel of 120 levels, we had to get more than that, really, because we had a bunch of B-team Pokemon that we had to level as well, and we were not, not pleased, not plus, not great. After that was done, we kicked off hunting down our legendaries, uh, primarily... Our birds, our legendary birds, like anything that was like a level 50 legendary that flew, we needed Electivire to murder. And we we did that very quickly. Picked up an Ice Beam TM, just generally ran around the world doing things and stuff. Mewtwo was a level 70, so we didn't have to worry about him for a little while. But everybody else got the, got the old knife. Uh, and then we did all the fun of getting phone numbers for gym leaders, finding them when they were outside of their gym, calling them at absurd times of day, until we gathered all of them into the Saffron City Gym, what used to be the fighting dojo back in the day. Now, there were a couple notable faces who were not in there. Uh, number one is Claire. You have to complete a rematch, like, doubles battle with between her and Lance, uh, along with your rival. Uh, before you can challenge her, uh, which was really kind of iffy. Like, uh, spoilers, we didn't do it this week, but we are doing it next week. Uh, because Lance's Pokemon are like level 75 and Claire's are like 60 and Claire's rematch is level 60 level limit. Uh, it's just a real challenging one to do. And we weren't going to be able to do that doubles match until the end of the week. So she was not hanging out there. We did not get blue in there until the end of the week. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And we did not have Lieutenant Surge in there because we did not catch a Pikachu and therefore could not get those points. 
So we piled everybody in and then we started figuring out how we were going to defeat uh, each of these rematches. And just like all the other gym challenges, we knew what Pokemon they had, but not what moves they had, not what abilities they had. And they have much better teams this time around. The flip side of that is there is no hard mode for these, so we could use super effective moves, which frankly is a good thing because I think if we couldn't... uh, we might have died in a couple of these. I, both Jolly and I, <laughs> uh, there were some real scary moments, and some friends did did die. Our general strategy was to find a Pokemon that countered super effectively against whatever type they were, handing them some choice specs or a muscle band, and beating the ever loving snot out of them, uh, in hopes to just get on through. And for a lot of folks, this actually worked pretty well. We did have our first tragic death of our Honchkrow tilted fighting Chuck of all people. Chuck has a, uh, has obviously a bunch of uh, fighting Pokemon that get real hurt by flying attacks. The problem is the only flying move that tilted knows is wing attack, which was, you know, it's what base 65. This generation, I think, which is, it's kind of low. And we were really worried about some of the Pokemon in there living uh, one of those hits and then hitting back super effectively with uh, like an ice punch or with an ice beam. Like he's got a Polyrath in there. Like there's definitely some scary, some scary shit. And so we decided that we could not count on that. It was way too dangerous. We were going to use Fly. Fly has a much higher base power. It takes two turns to set up, but we could give our good bird friend the choice scarf. We should outspeed everybody. Just knock them all down. And for the most part, this worked really good uh, until we came up to the Breloom. And you're probably like, but Mez, Breloom takes quad (laughs) quad damage from flying moves. How did this go so terribly? And I, I was thinking about this earlier when I was figuring out how to tell everyone this. And... I always think back to um, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, when they're talking about the history of the ring. And Galadriel's like, and then something happened that the ring did not intend. That was what it was like. Because I hit the fly button and the Braylon was like, hey, look at this doll and put up a substitute. And I was like, well, that's not fantastic. But realistically, what's it going to do? Bullet seed me? Like, that's not that's not too bad. Like, this is doable. Like, we'll figure it out. And... After it put the sub down, it got poisoned. It was holding a toxic orb. Uh, And I went, oh, no. (laughs) And then it proceeded to focus punch me for all the damage in the universe. Uh, We took out that sub and then it punched, tilted in the face. And there wasn't anything left of that bird. It was just gone. And we had to mop up the rest of Chuck with Miller, who just came in and psychic everything uh straight straight to death uh which was real bad we did not want to lose our good bird friend uh and it was very sad at this point like after chuck chuck was one of the higher level ones the post 60 rematches we actually had to go back and do the lower level ones to bring up some of our b team into the level range uh for doing uh misty and price in particular were very scary on paper. Uh, and that meant we had to get through Morty 
Morty is real scary because ghosts. Ghosts have lots of nasty tricks. You know, Destiny Bond, Will-O-Wisp, you know, Mean Look. Like, there's just lots of things that they do that nobody else really does. And Stab Shadow Ball is, is no joke. Like, Gengar is a really big threat, and he's got fucking two of them. It's fast. It hits really hard. And honestly, our best answer to Morty was Fats, who was immune to ghost damage. And could crunch things. But Fats was too high level. He couldn't come. So we spent a literal like whole Sunday leveling a bear. We grabbed our bear out of the bank. Our Ursa Ring. uh, Our Guts Ursa Ring. We leveled it to the appropriate level. And went out of our way to ensure it was fully EV trained. And we went and got it burned prior to the encounter. With the intention of hitting everything with guts, guts boosted feint attack, uh, with a scarf to out speed and just knock these bitches down. But we didn't want to lead that way. There, there were better options for, for leading and dealing with, uh, his, his early mon. And so we did. We, we, we led early, got, took out his intro Pokemon, which I cannot remember what it is. It was uh, a drift blim. I yeah, remember the drift very blim. well. Yeah, so we we came in with champs and uh, just nuked it with with electricity. We didn't want to take the potential aftermath damage. That's what it was. So we uh, we we burned it down with champs, and then Gengar came out, and we were like, "Okay, Gengar is out." Morty doesn't know like what we have, like, or he shouldn't. Like, he has no reason to believe that he should do anything else other than shadow ball my electivire if he's got it and i don't know why he wouldn't have it that seems stupid so we'll switch into ruth it'll be immune and then we'll kill the gengar with faint attack and we'll be done and we'll just mop up the rest of this gym fight so we activated that switch and ruth came right out into a focus blast and died immediately i never got to hit a button at all never got to faint attack never got to stare that that good Good ghost down in the eye, just literally walked into a giant blast of fighting energy and got O-Code. And then we had to do everything the hard way for the rest of that fight. And thankfully, nobody else died, but it was still really shitty. We actually brought Skyline with us, our uh, Crobat, just so that we could bite our way through everything in case something went really wrong. And we managed to get through it. Our last death actually came on Janine, who was the last sub-60 rematch. And a lot of Janine went okay. Like, Poison, we had a lot of good options to deal with Poison, and her team was varied enough that you couldn't completely rely on just one Pokemon to get the job done, realistically. And everything went a-okay until Drapion came out, and that fucker had Swords Dance. Got a sword stance up and got a confused ray off on our, our bat. And we did get an opportunity to hit it once. It was very low. And we had to make a decision. We're either going to do a swap and take one hit from this sword stance boosted Drapion. Or we're going to try to fight through the confusion and hit it. Because if we hit it, it dies. And we didn't fight through the confusion we punched ourselves in the face and took a swords dance boosted crunch uh, and died immediately and then we brought out somebody to kill it dead 
uh, which was uh, just such a, what a wasteful death, a wasteful 20 points, but whatever. Uh, we didn't lose any other Mon in our other rematches, but notably Misty was very scary still. Uh, her team is very threatening, uh, and the melodic on that team is a sleep, sleep, rest, sleep talk melodic. Crunch, not crunch, uh, Fats had a rest talk fight with this melodic for about 15 minutes of just, we beat each other down to nothing, and then we nap, and then we do it again, and then we nap, and it was so bad. Like, I thought for sure at one point that it was just going to crit me and kill Fats, and then it was going to just run the gamut with my team and thankfully that did not occur price was really scary too ice is a terrifying offensive typing uh it hits a lot of things super effective there's a lot of really good ice types on his team uh we managed to get through it okay but the calculus on that was insane there was a point where we had to come out uh with our hitm on top to take what we were reasonably sure was going to be a stone edge, which granted hit on top resists, but we were real low, like sub 20%. And we're like, hopefully the intimidates enough and he doesn't crit. Uh, and he didn't. We're like, we lived, we lived through it and punched our way to victory. There was a lot of choice scarf, close combat going on. In fact, we did that for Whitney too. We were just like, uh, Run real fast, punch real hard, die, die, die. The reason I mentioned blue earlier is because we weren't really sure if we wanted to do blue just because blue is super threatening and blue killed five of our Pokemon last time we fought him. But the way that things turned out, points necessitated that we had to go do it. We did a lot of thinking one day at work this week and figured out that we had a solid counter to every single one of his Pokemon where we could have a reasonably safe switch uh, and then Oko most likely or two hit KO at worst. And everything on that fight went pretty much to plan. Um, the scariest thing was his last Pokemon was Machamp and... I completely forgot from our first encounter that that motherfucker is no guard. So the plan for dealing with Machamp on the team was to switch in Alakazam with a focus sash and uh, get hit once on the switch and then psychic it and it would be dead. And we switched into a dynamic punch and got confused and had to scrap that plan and switch into Jamba who was holding specs and sit down and just giga drain this thing to death as blue full restored it a million times. And what was really epic about it is that thing used attract Jamba was attracted and did not fall helplessly in love with that Machamp one time. It got like six or seven giga drains off without being like, Oh, you're so hot, which was very good, and I'm very thankful that Jamba evidently is not interested at all uh, because I didn't really want to lose a Pokemon there. We still have our Claire Lance rematch to do uh, next week. Uh, by the time we were leveled enough to do that, it was Friday night, and we were not going to risk deaths on the team before PvP on a Friday night. That would just be irresponsible and stupid of me, and I like to sleep. Uh, but needless to say, we got lots of points. 
We did a lot of very hard matches. There were some deaths. It was an exciting week. If you were looking for a week to watch of, that was full of exciting content, this was it. But yeah, not much left to do, but still a million things to do. Yeah, that's that's about the the name of the game for Heart Gold Soul Silver. Uh, always, always so much to do. Yar. Well, good. I'm I'm glad that. It, well, no, I take that back. I'm not glad that it went mostly okay for you. I could have gone with a little bit more death for you, but that's okay. Nobody asked me. <laughs> so. I, of course, was staring down the barrel of the exact same gauntlet, uh, and obviously the big point of order for the week was uh, the rematches from the word go. Now, I took a little bit of a different tactic than Mess did, whereas Mess just kind of picked a- and and chose the rematches that he felt the-, the most comfortable with initially before buckling down and kind of doing them in order to get more team options. Uh, I very much wanted to kind of go in order to give myself the most options at every step. Again, we can't out-level a boss battle and still get points for it, so this meant that uh, for the legendaries that fell below last week's level limit of 60, which were Zapdos, Articuno, and Moltres, and the five gym leader rematches for Faulkner, Bugsy, Morty, Whitney, and Janine that fall below that level, uh, we had to use nothing but secondary options. And so... That's where we started. We started right there from the beginning. Let's train a team. Let's do those battles. Now, before we talk about the actual gameplay, uh, one thing I do want to note is that, yes, obviously we had to unlock those rematch battles. And I think that the rematches as a mechanic in HeartGold Silver are extremely well done. One of the high points of these games Period, in my opinion. The boss battles themselves are engaging. I think even the ones that are comparatively easy are still challenging and fun by the metric of like gym leader boss battles and unlocking them by traveling the region, tracking down these high profile trainers just out in the world, living their lives on the times and the days where they like to do things. It, it, really helps to make the world of Heart Gold Soul Silver to make this iteration of Johto and Kanto feel alive. Um, it's one of the things that I like a lot about Gen 5, that you see the gym leaders out of their gyms, that they engage and they do things. And we see that here in Heart Gold Soul Silver as well. And I still like it a whole lot. Like it's maybe my favorite thing about these games. Now, we did all that, uh, and we put together what we felt was a passable squad of second options, our our B team, as it were, for these rematches. Uh, We brought some old friends out of the retirement of the box, uh, including Cookie the Graveler, Beverly the Fero, and Nando the Hitmontop. Uh, We also brought some straight-up box fodder for either its typing or its utility, and this included things like Nightlight the Lantern, Lenore the Quagsire, and eventually Chonk the Snorlax. But that being said, there were a couple of specific options that weren't just strictly B-Squad material, that were genuinely good enough to merit consideration, not just for the rematches, but for the rest of the series moving forward, especially when you considered that we were probably going to suffer some deaths in the process. Uh, These, for me, were Floof the Hopip, Baby Bob the Dratini, and Regina the Coughing. These Mon were legitimate enough in their own right to merit not just leveling up quickly for a few boss battles, but taking the time to EV train them so that they'd be strong even beyond those rematches if needed. So we did that. We spent actually what amounted to a couple of days at the start of the cycle, just training up the B squad, EV training our high profile threats and just leveling those options. 
So we did that. We got everyone leveled. We went and took on the legendary birds with really no issue. Uh, we used Cookie, the now golem, to demolish Zapdos. Uh, and Nightlight, the lantern, to put the hurt on Articuno and Moltres. It is worth noting, I do think that the Seafoam Islands in HeartGold Silver is the best that that dungeon has ever been. But it's still the Seafoam Islands, and I still fucking hate it. <laughs> we also hunted down the roaming legendary Latias and put an end to her for points as well. We leveled the squad to 56, the lowest of our low-level rematches, and we went in to throw some hands. Now, I had decided early on that our strategy for this first set of low-level rematches was going to lean heavily into Floof the Jumpluff and Baby Bob the Dragonite. Sleep Powder and Leech Seed, that good Johto special... Go out into Baby Bob, Dragon Dance, and fucking Roll Tide. Now, this is obviously made somewhat more complicated by the fact that our first two gym leaders on this cycle were Faulkner and his flying types and Bugsy and his bugs. Neither of which Floof is particularly jazzed to go up against. But I did have a plan. We were doing Falconer first, and we brought a Koba Berry on Floof, which reduces the damage of super effective flying moves by half. That way, you know, we were sure that Floof was going to outspeed and get the Sleep Powder off first, but that way, if Sleep Powder missed, we could live one hit. We challenged Faulkner, and as though by psychic providence, he led with his Star Raptor, Sleep Powder missed, and Floof had to eat a Brave Bird, which she did handily because of the Koba Berry, but it still did over half. Floof wanted none of a second Brave Bird. That being said, nothing really wanted to switch in to a star after Brave Bird, not even Cookie the Golem, because as as we know famously from series four, star after get close combat. Cookie don't want none of that. So I didn't feel like I reasonably could swap anything in. So I made a calculated risk and I clicked Sleep Powder again. And this time it hit. So great. Now, in my mind, I was convinced, I was absolutely convinced that in Generation 4, a Pokemon could not wake up from sleep on turn 1. Sleep mechanics actually tend to fluctuate a little bit from generation to generation, or at least did up until about Gen 6. And I know that that is a mechanic in one of the generations, and I was sure it was in Gen 4. So... I also knew that Floof outsped the Staraptor, so I decided that it was in my best interest to Leech Seed. Staraptor would not wake up turn one, and then I could swap out, U-turn out on turn two in, into something else that could then eat future damage with Leech Seed. Good plan. However, Staraptor did wake up on turn one. That's actually a Gen 5 mechanic that I'm thinking of. Uh, it did Brave Bird again, and poor Floof uh, bit the big one. Our strategy for the next five rematch battles blown on the first Mon of the first battle. We did go ahead and bring Baby Bob out. We did have Leech Seed up and we, we set up a Dragon Dance, uh, which went off without a hitch. The Staraptor actually set a Tract, which was kind of concerning. But thankfully, uh, Baby Bob didn't care none about that sexy, sexy bird with his emo undercut. We, we set up a Dragon Dance. We Thunder Punched the bird in the face until it died. And, and Baby Bob did successfully get the sweep. So... Rematch down, we lost one Mon in our first rematch. Not a great start, but good enough. Bugsy was up next, and we thankfully, Bugsy went pretty okay, but it was kind of scary. I expected Bugsy to lean into U-turn the way he does in his gym matches, so I led with Cookie the Golem and set up a Stealth Rocks on turn one. I did not expect Bugsy to lead with his Scizor and immediately start Swords Dancing. 
on turn three, I was sitting with Regina the coughing or the wheezing in front of me in front of a plus four scissor and going, God, Regina, you got to live one hit, girl. You have to live one and fire blast has to hit. And thankfully, Regina did, in fact, live one because she's a good, good, fat, fat wheezing. Uh, Fire Blast did hit. And at that point, we were able to just kind of march our way through Bugsy. Now, the next rematch was Morty. And as Mess has already talked about, this one was problematic. Ghost types in general get all sorts of nasty utility. And I had been hoping to cheese through that utility with status, an option that is now lost to me. I looked through the bank, and this is when I decided that Chonk, the Snorlax, was our best option here. Gave us the best chance of flawless victory, specifically with rest, sleep, talk, and amnesia. We could max out a special defense with amnesia before a Gengar hits the field, and and we could rest and sleep talk with Crunch. We leveled Chonk up, grinding on Tentacool and Tentacruel outside of Vermilion, and what has been threatening to happen ever since series two finally happened, you guys, when we set up our shiny claws rules, one of the first questions that mess asked specifically is what happens if you encounter a second one of the same shiny does dupes activate? And we decided then way back two fucking years ago at this point, we said, yes, yes, dupes activates. You cannot be stuck with the same shiny twice. And guess what guys, we got a second fucking shiny tentacle. Thank God I don't have to use it. Cthulhu Jr. gets to live a happy life in the bank. However, three of the moves on Chonk's Morty moveset required a heart scale to relearn. We went to Cianwood to smash some rocks, and on the same day, in the same stream, fate came calling once again, this time in the form of a shiny golden crabby. This, of course, put us right back to square one in training on the week as we have to use this fucking crab. I did not want it, even a little bit. I was pretty furious at encountering it. But we out here now. We're here. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So we trained Shelby, our shiny crabby, now a kingler. We taught Chonk his new moves. And finally, much later than we anticipated, we went into Morty. Now, the strategy for Morty was to just lead with a choice specs uh, Nightlight, our lantern, and punch holes until Nightlight gets low and then to switch into Chonk and just outlast. Um, we were concerned that PP was going to be an issue for Chonk, so being able to remove one or two options for Morty with Nightlight was just really appealing. We led with Nightlight against Morty's Drift Limb. We got a discharge off a Specs Discharge, which brought the Drift Limb super low and got the Para, but it failed to KO. A Citrus Berry activated for the Drift Limb, and then it set a Substitute. It's annoying, but, you know, it happens. What's even more annoying is that Morty proceeded to full restore. And now it's full and behind a sub. So we just lean into that discharge button. There's nothing to it, but to make our way through that sub and bring down this drift limb. We get it out from behind its sub. We hit it again and it lives on literally one HP. I was expecting another full restore or maybe just like a, a shadow ball on the way down. I wasn't thinking much of it. I was not expecting a destiny bond. Drift limb set destiny bond. We clicked discharge and nightlight killed herself because fucking ghosts. Morty then went into his ace Gengar, his higher level Gengar, which is exactly what Chonk is here for. 
But unfortunately, when Chonk came out, this particular Gengar knows Focus Blast, which was terrifying. Thankfully, that first Focus Blast missed. Thank thank God. Uh, I wound up in a holding pattern for a couple of turns where I was swapping between Chonk and Regina are wheezing to stall out the Gengar's Focus Blasts. Finally, I had Chonk in exactly the position I wanted him in. Uh, the Gengar was out of Focus Blast to really threaten him. Chonk was able to just come back out, set up Amnesias to max, rest up to full health, and just sleep talk and crunch through both Gengars, through the Sableye, and through the Dusk Noir. Although getting through the Dusk Noir took forever. That thing had Pain Split and it had Will-O-Wisp, which meant that Chonk just had to just grind his way through it. Finally, we're staring down Miss Magius, Morty's final Pokemon. Unfortunately, it's at that moment we also realize that Chonk is out of crunch. We have no offensive options to hit this ghost. But Chonk is also at half health, and I really... Miss Magius has a pretty wide move pool. I had no idea what this thing wanted to click. So I decided to rest, heal Chonk up, and see what this Miss Magius wants to do before we swap out. Unfortunately, on that resting turn, Miss Magius used Mean Look, so swapping Chonk out was now an option denied to me, and it became a question of, oh god, how much PP does this Miss Magius have? Can we outstall it until it dies? That wasn't a question for long, however, because this Miss Magius was the, apparently the long-lost cousin of the Miss Drevis that spit in my eye last week. That's right, it had Paris Song. Three turns later, Chonk goes down, and so does the Miss Magius. Fucking Morty, you guys. Uh, he took his blood price, but we made it through. By comparison, uh, Whitney and Janine's rematches uh, both went essentially without incident. Uh, they were both still really interesting and had overall really, really good rematch teams, but but we were able to, to handle them with very little difficulty. I think Janine in particular has maybe the coolest rematch team of any of these gym leaders in that she's a poison specialist, but she has a Drapion that immune psychic attacks. She has both a Crobat and a Weezing that immune ground attacks. And, and just in general, like Mess said, you can't just take one super effective Mon, slap a choice specs on it and run through her um and and she's really cool for that reason i like her rematch team a lot um but finally we were back up to the level 60 teams and we could bring our best options once again there are a whole bunch of rematches that actually cap at level 60 and we decided to start with erica this was a fateful decision i think in hindsight not because it was difficult it, it wasn't we swept through her pretty easily but because Regina swept through her pretty easily and leveled up in the process. So I couldn't, I couldn't bring her against more threatening gym leaders. And I think that actually mattered later. We decided to do Sabrina next, leaning into our strengths. And by our strengths, I mean slick back. That said, Sabrina had a big point of concern named Wobbuffet on her team. I could not count on Slickback to one-hit KO Amon as naturally fat as Wobbuffet, and Counter could just immediately remove one of our best options. Uh, Wobbuffet is a lock-ender for a reason. I needed to set up and sweep here. I needed Baby Bob to win this fight. So we brought Spaghetti, our Tangrowth, to attempt to put something to sleep so we could set up Dragon Dance, and once again, we were less than successful. 
Uh, Spaghetti ate a nasty psychic from Sabrina's Mr. Mime and just beefed it. Uh, that's kind of been the problem with Spaghetti all along, right? Super physically fat, but we really needed a special tank and Spaghetti just wasn't that. Uh, and it, it caught up to her here. Um, so rest in peace, sweet Spaghetti friend. Once again, though, Baby Bob did all right on her own, even without status. Uh, we came out and started setting up Dragon Dance as Mr. Mime set up a reflect. And then we were able to stall out that reflect uh, by roosting until it wore off and then we swept through with baby bob so baby bob mowed through the whole team with outrage and eventually was able to one hit ko that deadly wobbuffet uh, we lost our fourth friend on the week which is not ideal but we did make it out of sabrina alive we did misty next who was as deadly and terrifying as we have come to expect misty to be at this point uh, but overall we managed to do a, a pretty good job of keeping the team intact and alive culminating in a really great moment for beetleborg our heracross when he came out on misty's melodic dodged a hydro pump and crit with megahorn one-shotting it like that was like the perfect epic hype moment for beetleborg just being a fucking boss now, next up was Price, which, in my opinion, coming in was one of the most threatening rematch battles, period. Like, Price is just really scary, and it, he was certainly the one I was most concerned about of the ones that were remaining, bar, bar Blue, who is still fucking blue. Now, one cool bit of tech that we've been using in all of our rematches up until this point was a move called Natural Gift on Shelby, our shiny Kingler. Shelby has a phenomenal attack stat, but lacks coverage, really just has Crab Hammer for Stab Water and Return for Normal. And that's really it. With a type damage reducing berry, of which we have fucking millions, thanks to our fucking mom who won't stay off of QVC with our money, uh, uh, with one of those berries held, we we turn natural gift into an 80 base power coverage move of a type of your choice. We were able to utilize that really effectively in a lot of the rematches, getting much needed coverage. And we certainly did so in, in price. Uh, we led with Shelby against his Obama snow and Molly whopped that Obama snow with a quad effective fire type, natural gift on turn one, just utterly like it was ash. There was nothing of this tree left. Uh, Shelby also just absolutely hammered Price's Glalie with a well-placed crab hammer. So two for two right off the bat, doing real good. Shelby did miss one against Price's Frostlass and took a Confuse Ray. Uh, so we were able to get through most of Price's remaining Mon between Mystery, our Kingdra, just coming out and clicking Draco Meteor, uh, and, and Nando, our Hitman on top, uh, using close combat. Finally, Price's Mammal Swine comes out. We anticipated that it was going to use Earthquake. It, it, it was up against Mystery, and it was the most logical move for Mamo to click. So we went into Beetleborg, our Heracross. We were like, we resist this. It'll be fine. And it was. We took so little damage. Beetleborg was in a great position. We were ready to, you know, wave our hands in triumph, and we clicked close combat, and it missed. Our 100% accurate close combat missed because it was hailing. And this Mamoswine had the ability Snow Cloak. It then proceeded to do a Naruto, doing its, its little ninjutsu and setting up three double teams. As we tried and failed in vain to hit a close combat. Four times. Four misses. As poor Beetleborg slowly lost his health to hail. And finally fell. At this point, we are well and truly in the shit. 
We know, I know better than anyone how threatening Mamoswine is with its natural coverage. And, and this is a Mamoswine that is nigh impossible to hit at this point. Most of the team is at half health or less. We need a fucking miracle. So I bring out Shelby. This is our fateful encounter. This is our miracle mon. It's time. I click crab hammer, a move that only has an 85% chance to hit naturally that has already missed once in this gym battle. I just go, it's up to you, girl. And that crab hammer hits and it fucking destroys that mammo. And Shelby saves our run. Our fateful encounter, Shiny, was truly fateful and kept kept us going. Now, from here, all of the other, I, I guess, mid-level rematches, you would call them, uh, passed with very little incident. We did Chuck, Brock, Janine, and Blaine in that order uh, with no loss, and, and they weren't particularly notable. Uh, again, they were all still very cool and interesting fights, but but nothing with the type of threat that Price or Sabrina or Morty represented to our team. From there, we leveled the team to 70. Uh, we went and took on Mewtwo and Lugia, uh, both of which we leaned into Slickback for. And Slickback owned them both pretty thoroughly, to the surprise of no one. We brought in our mob boss, Crow, and he said, hey, I'm going to do you a whack. And then he did. It's worth noting that Lugia's boss room is dope as fuck. Like, I was genuinely hyped just being there. Uh, it was a really great game moment. Which, again, I don't think Heart Gold Soul Silver has enough of for my taste, but the ones that it does have are really fucking good. And that was a good one. Finally, we leveled our team to 73 and we took on Blue's rematch. And, and this is one that we put a lot of thought into, but I actually felt like we had like really good answers to Blue's team as a whole. We led with Beverly the Fero. And, and this is Beverly's moment here, because at the end of the day, in our original match against blue, it all went bad because of the executor. Like the executor is what ruined my whole fucking life. So we led Beverly with the expert belt and we clicked U-turn on turn one boosted quad effective U-turn. And we, we destroyed that tree. We said, Abraka, fuck you bitch. And it was gone. And we brought out Shelby, our Kingler. Because we noticed when looking over Blue's team, he has no water type switch-ins other than that executor. So once it's gone, Shelby actually did a murder. And Shelby did do a murder. Uh, one by one, Blue's Rhyperior and his Arcanine and his Pidgeot. And they all just beefed it to Shelby. Shelby just removed them all, bam, 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 one after the other. Blue's T-Tar came out and I didn't particularly want to risk a miss with Crab Hammer on Shelby. So we went out into Nando the Hitmontop. We intimidated it and we got a close combat off. And it was also removed. And finally, all that Blue had remaining was that Machamp. That dynamic punch, no guarding Machamp. And we had brought... Regina, the Weezing, specifically, specifically to deal with this Machamp. So we switched into Regina. We we ate a dynamic punch. No, no huge deal there. It does confuse, but Regina has very little attack, isn't going to hit herself for much anyway. And, and she has um, Black Sludge, so she's getting recovery. It's fine. We click Fire Blast. And 
Blues Machamp clicks fling and is holding the iron ball. So Regina hits herself in confusion. And then Blue flings this iron ball, which is like a 180 base power dark type move with, with that particular move combined with that particular item. And it crits. And Regina goes down to about 10 health and stops. Which is super unfortunate because while Blue can't repeat that particular trick, Regina can no longer wall him either. And now we're in a tough spot. So we play swapsies a little bit, but everything is getting confused. There are no great answers. And ultimately, what I decide our best answer is, is I've got to get either Beverly or Jules in because they're my best options offensively for dealing with this Machamp. But it does no Stone Edge and it can no Earthquake. So I can't just hard swap either of them in safely. So I decide that the play is to go back into Nando to intimidate the Machamp and then pivot from there. Nando's low. Well, not even low, middling health. But with the Intimidate up, Nando should be able to live any one hit as long as it's not a crit. So Nando comes out, eats a dynamic punch, and it's a crit. And our our Hitmon top, our Dancy boy, our last fighting option, period, on the series goes down. <sighs> so we bring Jules out, who's holding the choice specs. We click Thunderbolt, and at that point, we're able to two-hit KO the Machamp and remove it. So we attain our victory, a victory that should have been flawless. But once again, Blue just had to be a little bitch and and hacks me out but it happens it's fine and we're done we had to to settle on our pvp roster for this week and and we made some i think interesting choices obviously we had a couple of deaths so we had to bring some new faces onto the squad we also had to fit shelby onto the squad we ultimately we wound up bringing baby bob the the kingdra and regina the wheezing onto the main pvp squad for this week so they are they are with us we also brought mystery the kingdra back out of retirement uh, and made some changes to her set to hopefully make her more effective and we actually brought a, a real throwback old friend, uh, Benedict the Togekiss out of retirement, just because we needed something, something, anything that can eat a goddamn special hit. Uh, and Benedict is by far our best option for a special tank. So yeah, uh, the team's a little bit different. You can definitely tell that this has been a very long series and that Mess and I have both lost a lot of like our what we would consider our top tier options. Uh, but this is the team that we have. And, and all things considered, I'm pretty happy with where we're at. We did ultimately we did take on the, the Claire and Lance rematch double battle, um, which is really like a fun and interesting fight. Like it's a great story moment where you get to see uh, Silver just kind of being a little shit again. But being a little shit who has like hard earned respect for you the player who has kicked his ass so many times which is kind of interesting uh the fight itself wasn't particularly notable but but yeah we've we've done that at this point all that is remaining on my personal table is the level 60 claire gym rematch if we choose to level up another b squad to do that the elite four rematches if we choose to do those before red and then red himself like that's it other than that these games are about as thoroughly beaten as you can beat a pokemon game we're so close. 
<laughs> the end is in sight. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you felt, Mess, but I felt like all the content we did this week was really, really good content, even if it was like stressful uh, and, and not like the best purpose for our particular series. Um, like, I feel like it was very, very good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think all the all the content was cool. Like the rematches were really neat. Like there's and we'll get into this in our like recap series recap episode. But there's a lot of things that Hargold Soul Silver does that's really cool. The rematches are definitely one of them. The challenge level is definitely one of them. Like people tuned in a lot over the course of the last two weeks to watch these rematches even when we had to stop in between everyone and go okay we're gonna go level everybody a level and then come back uh just because it was really interesting and, and fun to to do and fun to watch so it's all been good content even if there were just moments of being like well i guess i guess we're going to do this it seems ill-advised but all in yeah i i Honestly, I'm in this weird position where, like, I'm ahead enough that I could potentially skip some of this content. Um, but, like, I'm not necessarily ahead enough to do so comfortably. And I think just more importantly, like, we do Nuzlocks to hard mode these games. Like, it feels really, really shitty to look a boss fight in the eye and say, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, the only one that I'm even really considering doing that for at this point is just the Claire Jim rematch. And it's not because I'm scared of her. It's because the fact that she's so low level is just a genuine pain in my asshole. Yeah, I mean, yeah, her being level 60 isn't great. But she does have a legitimately, like, threatening squad. That Kingdra is still dangerous. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was dangerous the first time. <laughs> it definitely is now. <laughs> Hydro from Kingra kills everything. All right, guys. Well, that was that was our gameplay this week. Uh, all <laughs> all like 70 hours of it. Um, but of course, as you have gathered, not everyone that we brought into this week made it out alive. Uh, mess buddy, let's take a few minutes to say goodbye to the friends who will not be joining us atop Mount Silver. Yeah. Tilted, you got killed by a plant. I don't know. There's a greater insult in the entire world for a bird. But you did. And it was real shitty because I really did not want to lose your priority, your very hard-hitting self, uh, or your your ability in that increased crit chance. Uh, it was... You were the death that hurt this week. Because it was so just fucking unnecessary and trying to cover my bases and be more careful. I got you killed and that wasn't, it did not feel good. Ruth, I spent four hours with you and then you were dead. I don't know what to tell you. There is literally no reason that the, the AI, unless it knew I was going to switch into a bear that it shouldn't have known that I had, should have clicked the focus blast button. There wasn't a reason. Morty cheats. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. You were the best logical option for what was going to happen, and the computer just said, fuck you. You don't get a bear. And I said, no, well, all right. I knew him for four hours, and I intentionally got her burned. So I don't think that we were real good friends, but, you know, whatever. Skyline, you were the good bat. You were the good bat. You were the betrayer bat. You didn't get half the team fucking killed. 
You didn't fight through confusion, which was not fantastic, but you took a hit so that somebody else on the squad didn't have to, and legitimately that, I think, saved somebody more important than you. (laughs) No offense, but you did a good job. That's it. That's all the people who died this week. Your turn. (laughs) Yeah, that's not all the people that died this week for me. Floof, Nightlight, Chonk, you guys... I'm not, I can't really say that I miss you. Like, none of you were with me long enough for me to get super attached. You all kind of died to shenaniganry and bullshit. Um, some of it I could have made better choices on. I'm looking at you, Floof. Some of it I definitely couldn't have. But, yeah. Like, we knew that there was going to be some of that going in. We were doing, like, the equivalent of an entire game series and boss battles in one cycle. Not everybody was going to make it through that. But... It sucks all the same. Like, I would much rather have you than not have you. I would much rather have the points that you represent than not have those points. And it really stinks. But that's Nuzlocke. And I appreciate the sacrifices that you made for the team to get us here. Spaghetti? I was attached to you. Although, again, you were never really what I needed. But that's my fault for not recognizing that. Uh, and moving on to an option that was what I needed. I could have. Floof was what I needed, if I'm being honest. And I could have made that switch from the jump. But I wanted to do something different. And in this case, different just kind of meant suboptimal, which was kind of shitty. Uh, it's not your fault that I used you bad. I just used you bad. Uh, and I'll try to learn from that and remember it in the future. Rest in peace, sweet prince. Beetleborg. You were the last member of the Johto squad left to me. You were so good for so long. And you died to such haxy bullshit. It's difficult to swallow. It's a hard, hard pill. But that's where we're at. And I'm going to miss you a lot, bud. You are... One of my favorite Pokemon, period. And you were everything I could have hoped that you would be. When when Heracross was running wild all over our series, you were always the best Heracross. Uh, and you were up until the end. It's not your fault that that, that fucking Mamo thought he was a fucking ninja. Rest in peace, buddy. I'll see you on the other side. Nando. I... I never got to use you to your fullest potential, or I guess I should probably more accurately say I never chose to use you to your fullest potential. It seems like there was always something pulling me in a different direction, whether it was Firestone's electric immunity or the need to spin TMs that you needed somewhere else. I, I was so excited to pick you up and I was sure that you were going to be a game changing Mon. And when you finally had your opportunity, when you were the next Mon up, You got crit to death because Blue's an asshole. You did nothing wrong, and I'm going to miss you, buddy. Rest in peace. All the dead. Yeah, that that was a lot. Although, again, that was about 20 boss fights. Like, that was an entire Pokemon game's worth of boss fights just in one cycle. It was going to happen. 
but yeah, that was that was our weekend gameplay, guys. Uh, and now we we all know how that ends. Uh, coming into PvP this week, Messer Engine has managed to close the gap. Uh, while his week was far from flawless, he suffered fewer deaths than I and reaped the points rewards. He remains in second with two thousand one hundred and forty points. I jolly by nature remain in first, though by the narrowest margin in quite some time. I bring in a score of two thousand three hundred and eighty points. Now this is a much must win showdown for Messer Engine to keep his hopes of series victory alive. Uh, Mess Buddy, are you ready? Yeah. And I mean, you could die to red, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I guess to keep your hopes of victory under your own steam alive. We'll put it that way. <laughs> you are. All right, guys. Well, here we go. All right, in the gold corner, we have VBR Jolly leading out with Mystery, his Kingdra. And in the silver corner, we have Mezzer Engine leading out with Nido Queen, Gaddy. Are you two ready? Yeah, let's do the thing. Let's go. All right, you two may begin. Mezzer Engine switches out Gaddy for Fats, the Snorlax, who takes a nasty Draco Meteor on a switch for 58% of its health. But this also drops Mystery's uh, special attack. Fats is now at 48% HP. Baby Jolly switches into Jules, and Fats goes to sleep. Jules is Jolly's Electrifier. Fats is now at 100% health, but sleeping. Baby Jolly switches back into Mystery, and Mesor Engine switches back into Gaddy. Mystery uses Hydro Pump, but Mesor Engine switched into Jamba, the Vileplume, and it eats the Hydro Pump for only 44% of its health. It's still a nasty amount of damage because it's a Hydro Pump. On the next turn, Jolly switches out Mystery for Slickback as Honchkrow. Jamba uses Sleep Powder, but Sleep Powder does not affect Jamba or Slickback because of Insomnia. Mesurgeon switches into Payway as Lantern, and Slickback uses Night Slash, which Payway takes 46% of itself. Payway uses Discharge, and BVR Jolly switches into Jules, his Electrovire, who gets a Motor Drive Speed Boost. Mesor Engine switches into Fats, the Snorlax, taking a Earthquake on the switch for 24% of itself. It heals up of uh, Leftovers. On the next turn, it takes a Low Kick for 74% of itself, and Fats uses Sleep Talk, but it fails because it picks Rest. Fats is now at 14% health. An Earthquake from Jules finishes off Fats. And out comes Spin, the hitman top from Mesor Engine. An Intimidate from Spin lowers Jules' attack. A Fake Out from Spin hits Jules to 79% health and flinches him. Maybe Jolly switches into Mystery, the King Nero, taking a close combat on the switch. Mystery is now at 40% health. A Hydro Pump from Mystery, one shot Spin for 100% of itself. And out comes Payway, the Lantern for Mesor Engine. A Hydro Pump for Mystery knocks Payway down to 15%, triggering its berry. It is now at 40% health, and a Hydro Pump from Payway hits Mystery for 13%, it's at 27% health. Mystery misses its next Hydro Pump, and Discharge finishes it off. Shelby, that 
crazy shiny Kingler comes out for BBR Jolly. Does it have a berry to use something to wreck Peiwei? That crown berry. Most likely. <laughs> a return from Shelby hits Peiwei to 3%, but it discharges and kills it. That's unfortunate. You're good. I got holes punched in me and you have priority. This has already been decided. It's just playing it out. I was fucked the second you let a Kingdra. Jules comes in for BBR Jolly, staring down Peiwei at 3% health. A Earthquake from Jules finishes off Peiwei. Jamba comes out from Ezra Engine, the Vile Plume. An Earthquake from Jules hits Jamba to 28% health, and a Sludge Bomb from Jamba hits Jules down to 41% health. Earthquake finishes off Jamba, and out comes Ruby the Ninetales, or Mezzer Engine. A flamethrower from Ruby crits Jules and finishes him off. Benedict the Togekiss makes a surprise appearance in this battle for Jolly. Gaddy comes out for Mezzer Engine, the Nido Queen, taking an ancient power on the switch for 11% of his health. There are no boosts gained. A second Ancient Power hits Gaddy, and still no boosts, and an Ice Beam from Gaddy hits Benedict for 45% of its health. Third Ancient Power hits Gaddy, but there's still no boosts. Ice Beam hits Benedict down to 6%. The fourth Ancient Power, still no boosts, and Benedict is down. Gaddy's at 49% HP. What even is Serene Grace? You used it all up in that doubles match earlier in the fucking series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That was highly unlikely. Slickback comes out for BVR Jelly. It sucker punches Gaddy, and Gaddy goes down. And out comes Ruby, the Ninetales, Mezzer Engine's last Pokemon. It will always slip back on the first turn, taking a Night Slash for 43% of its health, even though it was burned. A Flamethrower from Ruby hits Slickback down to 28% health. Slickback knocks Ruby down to 9% health. And Sucker Punch finishes off Ruby. Good game. Good game, mess. All right. Uh, well, that is that is our Cycle 10 PvP, our last PvP battle before the finale. Um, that does end in my favor, which leaves Messer Engine remaining in second with a score of 2,140. That brings my score uh, up, remaining in first, uh, to 2,400. And 40 uh, brings it up to a, a 300 point lead. Uh, Mess, how are you feeling after PvP this week? I mean, normal. This has been the whole series. I think you've lost two matches the whole series. So <laughs> pretty, pretty much where we're at. Um, I mean, at this point, and I'm not bullshitting at all. Like, I, I feel like you genuinely have the stronger options. And I was genuinely concerned. Like, it says something that as strong as I started, you still very nearly turned it around. But yeah, I, I think I was more in your head in those first six turns than I have ever been before in any battle that we fought. Well, yeah, I guess it's just there's. There's literally nothing I can do to mystery. I don't have a dragon option to hit it super effective. I can only hit it neutral. Uh, it demolishes anything with Draco Meteor. Like, Fats has enormous special defense, and you took him down sub-40 in one hit. Like, my team can't live through that, and a lot, huge portion of it takes, like, super effective damage from water. Like, Hydro Pump's no fucking joke. Like... 
it's just a situation of going, okay, which button is he hitting? Who's dying this turn? I not knowing what you were going to lead, like Nitto Queen gave me the best options for coverage, but at the end of the day, I'm not faster than that that good seahorse, and I'm gonna get O-code by a hydro pump, which means a free switch onto something that will likely die. So yeah, like you had a good lead, I miscalculated, and then I had to play on the defensive for six turns, and that wasn't great. Yeah. And it just is what it is. Like the second it came out, I was like, well, this match is done. (laughs) Uh, And like I said, at that point, it was just playing it out. You played really, really spectacularly at the end, though. Like, out of curiosity, was your queen scarfed? No. Oh, I was I was calling that it was because I, I had Baby Bob in the back. I was like, shit, I have three flying things, and I guarantee you that's a scarf Nitto Queen locked into Ice Beam. I was so scared. <laughs> no, it was Spexed. Ah, I see. I see. That, man, Benedict is fat then. Holy shit, that was Spex. So, so spoilies, now that we've come really far to the end of the series, my Nitto Queen is special attack of nature with like a three IV and special attack. That's true. And it's also rivalry in Benedict's mail. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, that, that was, I think we both brought some really cool sets in that match though. I had, I'm going to be honest with you. I had totally forgotten that Ruby had Will-O-Wisp. Yeah, because I haven't really had a reason to use it, but I was like, well, this is the only chance I'm going to get to like burn burn through this. But the sad thing is, is that it was still doing more damage than I really was hoping it was going to do, like after the burn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's not great. <laughs> yeah, 48% after a burn is crazy. Slick back very strong. <laughs> yeah, Ruby not very hardy. Mm-hmm. Not on the physical side, at least. Absolutely. Definitely did not get an opportunity to set up a nasty plot either, which would have made a a, a considerable difference in the amount of damage that Flamethrower was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was hyper aware coming in that I absolutely could not let Ruby set up a nasty plot. I also could not let you set up rocks if you were running them on your queen. Uh, because again, half my team be flying. Yeah. At least it's not mandated flying. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I can change my mind if I feel like it. But all right, guys, that is that is week 10 PVP. And we are looking ahead now to our next week in Nuzlocke. And the end is here, you guys. Finally, it seemed like it would never come. Uh, but this is the season finale for Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Uh, this cycle, our hosts will tie up any loose ends they have remaining before leveling their teams and ascending the summit of Mount Silver, where Red awaits for our final challenge. As you might expect, our finale rules apply this week. Our hosts will be leveling to the level limit before taking on red, and we may outlevel it during our fight if, if that happens without suffering any penalties. We will only bring what remains of our teams after the final battle into finale PvP, which will be worth 100 points up from the usual 60. Our level limit for the finale is level 84. How are you feeling going into the finale, Mess? I mean, I'm going to die on Sunday, so... <laughs> Like, I, I, great, I guess. Uh, I mean, the only thing that I can possibly do to e- even get myself within a 100-point victory condition of you is to do the E4 rematch, which is nearly suicidal. So, uh, we we doing that. I got to go do the, the doubles rematch. I got to go do the E4. 
if I survive, I may have to do Claire, and then I gotta go do Red. The chances of me surviving all three of those things? Mm, very low. Very, very low. So, who knows? Uh, maybe early in the week you'll just see me wipe to Lance again <laughs> with a better team. And if not, then we go to Red and hope Red kills you. Like, <laughs> that's 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 all of the plans. I mean, legitimately having a wipe at Lance the first time around and then lo- nearly wiping to Blue put me in a situation where the entire latter half of the series has been all about putting you in situations where you have to do risky things to make sure you don't lose ground. And I think that reasonably I've been pretty successful at that. You've definitely had more overall Pokemon losses than me in the latter half of the series. Like I've ate away at that lead, but I haven't been able to secure PVP wins uh, except for the one I pulled right out of the, the actual not finale, the, uh, the first week that we had McAllister around, uh, where he outraged his way through your team. And I mean, it's, it's really no different this week. It's, I'm going to the E4 to close a large portion of that gap, uh, so that there is a possibility somewhere in there for me to win PvP and win. And either you're going to take the bait and come into the suicide with me if I get through, or you're not. And what happened here today will happen again. And, uh, two weeks from now <laughs> i'm not nearly as certain about that as you are but but yeah i mean that's just kind of the weird position i'm in like i'm 300 points up right now right but you're gonna get 50 of those back when you do the claire and lance rematch so it's really like an effective 250 up and there's 210 points on the board in the e4 rematches which means that like if you do those and do them successfully we're we're within PvP range. Then it becomes who whoever wins PvP wins. And I'm not confident enough in my ability to beat you in PvP to be like super okay with that. So the question I have to answer is: Do I do I chase you into that suicidal death gauntlet, or or do I have faith in my ability to lock it up at the last minute? Because spoilers, I'm not going to make my decision based on how the E4 goes for you. I am going to make my decision by your stream time tomorrow, whether I am going into the E4 or not. And regardless of how it goes for you, I'm going to stick to my guns because it's not interesting. It's not fun. If I just go, oh, well, mess did really good. Now I have to do it. Or, oh, mess did really shit. Now I don't have to. That's not good content. I mean, coming into like finale week within like one PVP match, a victory on either side is it always is exciting for everyone else. I'm sure, but is, is real shitty because like red is super threatening and like a single Pokemon loss for either of us could tip the scales. Like in that finale PVP it's happened before. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, like not to be like a huge cock about it or anything, but the last time I said, you know what? I'm going to take it a little bit easy for the sake of making good content, I fucking lost in series two and went on a losing downslide for three series. So (laughs) we don't need no dogs spiral. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, again, like, ah, you, you've won three fucking, you pulled the fucking hat trick mess. I'm not going to hand you this one on a platter. Well, you certainly have made me work for it. (laughs) 
<laughs> if it happens, I will have spent the entire series dragging myself in your dust on the way up. Literally just being like, hey, you want to fucking light ourselves on fire with gasoline? <laughs> Why don't you get over here and do this with me? And you're like, yeah, all right. Seems uh, good. This series has been, I think, easily the most masochistic thing we've ever done. It's been so long and so hard. <laughs> you know, there was a time in this series when everyone's like, Mez doesn't do hard modes. And all Mez has done is hard modes for the last two fucking seasons. Yep, 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 yep. I can't, I can't let you play from in front anymore. You just win from there. Yeah, it's it's like the, uh, it's also the rule in Mario Kart. The easiest way to win at Mario Kart is to be in first. <laughs> Less people shooting at you. That's all it comes down to. All right, guys. Well, that is our show for this week. And of course, we definitely want you to have at least a vague idea of when you might be able to find us streaming with it being finale week and all. Uh, Mess, when can our listeners expect to find you live on Twitch? Uh, I'm going to be live tomorrow, maybe at my normal time. I know that sounds super weird, but tomorrow's the 1st of September. Uh, my niece's birthday party is tomorrow at one and they're an hour away. So I'm assuming that I am not going to be home at six and I'm going to have to come back and eat dinner. So we might get started a little late, uh, over at twitch.tv slash engine. Just Try to keep an eye on either uh, social media or if you're in the Discord uh, server, the notification you get from there. Or if you're just, you know, hit the little follow uh, button on my, my stream page. But we will be streaming at some point tomorrow night. We will be doing the doubles battle uh, with Lance and Claire. We just got to finish leveling champs. And then immediately after, we're figuring out how we're going about doing the E4, because we do have a Sneasel that could be a Weavile for Lance if something dies and, you know, she's got to come out and just kill a Durgan. Uh, and priority ice off of a Weavile's attack against a team that is largely quad weak to ice uh, may be something that we need to do, uh, which means that I got to go BP farm a fucking Razor Claw, uh, which is going to take some time. So I don't know if we're doing the E4 tomorrow night or not. I have a whole week off this week. So it's possible we will do what we need to do uh, to get that prepped and then do it later this week. And those dates will be determined by whatever schedule I happen to have while I'm on vacation. Because I'm going to be as lazy as possible this week because I'm super tired. As always, guys, be sure to follow, turn on notifications, all that good stuff to to get the guaranteed scoop on when we're going to be streaming. Uh, now, as always, well, not as always, my stream schedule is not at all consistent anymore because I work in a hospital and that's just my life. Um, but I am perhaps the polar opposite of mess this week in that I work more often than I normally do and I'm going to be very tired. <laughs> but I, I intend currently to stream Monday evening, roundabouts 9 p.m. Eastern as usual uh, over on my channel at twitch.tv slash jolly by nature and then probably again on tuesday morning beyond that i don't know <laughs> it's just going to depend on when i have time and i'm also not dying from exhaustion um so as always again be sure to follow be sure to turn on notifications and that's how you'll be notified of when we're doing the streaming stuff. Um, now, as always, guys, remember that we do want to hear from you, whether you want to send us an email about what you're up to and what you think of the show, whether you want to leave us a review on iTunes or miscellaneous other podcatching devices that have a review feature. We really appreciate those. We love hearing from you there. Um, or if you want to, you know, 
again, chip us a couple of bucks our way on Patreon and join the Blastburn Radio Community Discord. Um, we we always appreciate hearing from you guys because at the end of the day, we're we're all in this together. Um, now, as always, you can. Email the show to blastburnradio at gmail.com. Find the show on social media at blastburnradio. And you can follow me personally at BBR Jolly on Twitter. I'm at Celeste Lost. And I'm at Mezzerange. And as always, don't forget to check out Mythic Portal Games, uh, which is the other thing that Mess works really, really hard at, uh, making online role-playing assets, which include map packs and tokens and other really pretty art that makes your your fantasy game or sci-fi game or any other kind of game campaign uh, feel real good and high production value. Like like maybe you're, uh, oh, what's what's his face? The, the Hobbit guy, Peter Jackson. Uh, maybe you're Peter Jackson. Jacksoning it up and, and making yourself a, a nice epic fantasy there. Uh, but you can find Mythic Portal stuff on uh, Roll20 Marketplace, on Astral VTT, and wherever fine plays are rolled. Uh, as always, I do want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to give a very special thank you, as always, to my co-hosts, Messer Engine and Celeste. For Blastburn Radio, I am Jolly by Nature. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next time, folks. See you next time. Blastburn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Celeste the Lost, and Messer Engine. If you enjoy Blastburn Radio or any of our other projects, you can support us at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at Glitch X City. Closing music in today's episode is National Park Cover by Family Jewels. Be sure to check him out on YouTube or follow him on Twitter at FamilyJewels7X. Design work and stream assets provided by Rachel Mondragon. Check out her other work or contact her for commissions on Twitter at RachieChu. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. <laughs>